0: Listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, this is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Welcome in. Uh, We talk all about the Arizona Cardinals, uh, basically your complete cards coverage, as we like to call it. My name is Blake Murphy. I'm the co-host of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. And I'm joined, as always, uh, with my fellow co-host, the venerable Johnny Venerable. And, John, we've got a nationally televised game to talk about this week with the Cardinals. It gets a little overshadowed by having another Monday night game Uh, which is probably not something that we thought would happen at the beginning of the season, but that's kind of what happens in this time of coronavirus. Uh, Before we get going, previewing the Dallas game, talking a bit about the uh, current Cardinals and even a little bit about perhaps the 2021 draft needs for Arizona. Uh, How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm doing great, Blake. It's great to be here on our bi-weekly podcast, Revenge of the Birds. Uh, podcast on SB Nation. It has been a nice week to have a victory Monday. This past Monday, as we go into this Monday night contest, Blake, that I think has a lot of people up in arms. As I check the line now, it has moved from two to one point five in Arizona's favor. So it's it's gone to basically a straight pick 'em with the over under set at fifty five. I would take that over all day long with both teams struggling to stop anybody. But Blake, I, I I think this is an opportunity for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to announce, not necessarily their arrival, but certainly their contention as a playoff team. Um, when you think about the fact that Dallas is off an emotional victory, yet they are emotional in the sense that they lost their franchise quarterback for the season, Andy Dalton, while competent, is not the player Dak Prescott is in the slightest, especially from a, a mobility standpoint. This is an opportunity for the Cardinals to, to, to announce to, to the NFC that we're going to be in a position to contend for a playoff spot throughout the duration of this season. But historically, Blake, they have not played well against Dallas as of recent. Part of that had to do with Dak, but also they just have not been a good nationally televised product uh, dating back to uh, their time with Bruce Arians. So I'm hoping that we'll flip the switch on Monday seems like between now and Monday there's going to be a lot of NFL content and we're just going to take sit back and enjoy it. Hopefully we see a couple in division losses in route to the Cardinals moving to 4-2 yeah, on Cardinals the week. Yeah, John Cardinals
0: are in a spot where it used to be that the Cowboys was the big rivalry game every year back when they were in the NFC East. That was even the team that I think some have talked about this uh week mostly a lot of the Cardinals writers uh, when you're talking about the Rod Tidwell game which is kind of one of the few times the Cardinals did get nationalist spotlight as far as their football team was concerned Uh, during that period at Sun Devil Stadium uh, again that was just kind of a spot where the Cardinals were kind of viewed by many people as not quite an authentic NFL team there was a lot of bashing a lot of terrible seasons Uh, there's been kind of an interesting connection that you've had with the Cowboys. That would be the one game per year it seemed like that they would gear up for completely. It's kind of like the Cardinals-Seahawks rivalry in a sense, where even if the Cardinals would have a terrible team, they would sometimes go out and beat the Cowboys. Now, in a historical context, the last few years, I think you're looking back to that 2017 Monday night game that I remember specifically where that was the Jared Valdir three sack game uh, as well as the game that Dak Prescott I believe ran around on the Cardinals a lot there was a a rushing touchdown he had and then I think I remember as he rolled to the right there was like a wide open uh, receiver down the field they just basically beat up on the Cardinals in that 2017 team was really not great, and like you said, John, it was kind of a anomaly year for the Cardinals in national TV as far as with Bruce Arians, because that 2013 and 2014 teams, they weren't that great in national TV, and they weren't televised in many national TV games. It really was that 2015 season. Where at that Sunday night game against the Seahawks, some of those games that were flexed in, it was essentially that 13-3 and season that they got a lot of national. Obviously, you know, it's not to mention that playoff game from 2014, but in that 2016 opener, things kind of fell apart. And then there was that crazy Sunday night football game where actually it was a Thursday night game, if I remember correctly with uh, the Cardinals and Seahawks with that 6-6 overtime tie where both kickers missed field goals. So there's been some interesting games we've seen from the Cardinals in primetime. This is essentially their one primetime game outside of Thursday night football this year. John, you and I talked, we felt the Cardinals this year deserved at least another game for the most part, especially considering I think the Niners got five, and now look at how that's been looking this year, I mm-hmm. think at least has been, ugh. well, uh, coming off a of Super Bowl, I'll get that for you. Right. To you, what is the biggest thing that concerns you about the Dallas Cowboys uh, coming into this game is it um, the offense is it like the emotional upheaval? is it some of those weapons because they just look at their depth chart right now John there's there's not a lot that really seems to scare you on the defensive side after Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith have been kind of the best part of their entire defense um, it's been interesting to look at they've got a rookie corner in Terrell Diggs Chidobia woozy has been hurt a lot this year uh, their safety, at least they've they've got Xavier Woods playing free safety for their team. He was the former corner. He was so washed at corner that he had to move his whole position over. And they've gotten almost nothing out of Everson Griffin. The, the defense has been giving up a huge amount of points this year, John. It's essentially the worst defense overall in the NFL, and that includes the New York Jets who played. So when you're looking at the the Cowboys. Who or what kind of scares you the most for this game? Because you and I both think that the Cowboys are capable of putting up points.
1: Yeah, I think defensively, you just mentioned that I I actually like a lot of their defensive personnel, and I think it more has to do with, you know, and this is rings true for what Arizona has and their struggles defensively, more to do with their coordinator. Mike Nolan has no business being an NFL coordinator defensively in 2020. Uh, his scheme is outdated, and I'm, I'm fortunate. The Cardinals fans should feel fortunate they haven't made a change um, before this game because, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is a really good player. Don Terry Poe, Tyrone Crawford's a good player. Historically, Everson Griffin's been a good player. They've got Jalen Smith. Alden Smith's having a phenomenal bounce back season, and I like a couple of their pieces in their secondary. It is not what we saw last week against the New York Jets and even what we saw against Detroit. Um, they have pieces in place. They're just poorly coached. And that should sh- show you at the end of the day, talent can over can only overcome so much in the NFL. And you have to be these scheme- offensive schemes are too um, dramatically improved upon from what, you know, historically offenses look like in the NFL 10, 15 years ago. They're just much more complex now. And Mike Nolan's system as a four, three based coach is is not up to par. Um, So I would imagine at some point they make a a move from him. I mean, the Giants have horrific offensive personnel. Daniel Jones is awful, and they put up, I think, 30-plus points on Dallas last week and should have very well won that game. They moved the ball at will at certain times. Now, I know they had a pick six, but that was the most effective game offensively they've had. Now, Dallas, where they scare me, Blake, of course, is with the offensive skill players that they have. I know that their offensive line has become a, a shell of what it once was now without Tyrone Smith. They uh, have made a transition from Frederick Martin or Frederick. I can't remember his last name. The the center that up in retired Travis Frederick, Travis Frederick. There we go. But they still have Zach Martin at right guard. He's a nice player, but they're missing Lael Collins. They're missing Cameron Irving. That wasn't as much of a deterrent when you had Dak Prescott and his mobility. But now with Andy Dalton, you're going to see that become a little bit more of an issue, I think. But here's what I will say, Blake. If they're able to run behind Zach Martin with Ezekiel Elliott and they can and they can get into second, third and short manageable downs and take advantage of a sus- suspect secondary for Arizona, they have the best, in my opinion, the best receiving core in all football. I don't think it's particularly close. You know, Amara Cooper's a A-minus, you know, starting caliber, you know, star receiver in this league. He's not in the upper tier. He's not in Hopkins class. But he's a B-plus, A-minus uh, receiver. Michael Gallup's as good of a number two as you can find in the NFL and has probably been underutilized to this point. You saw the catches he had last week against the Giants to seal that game. Looks like he and Dalton already have a little bit of a rapport. And then C.D. Lamblake, I think he's fourth in the NFL in receiving yards. He's been the most prolific, productive, consistent Rookie wide receiver Henry Ruggs is is making a charge. But Lamb looks like every bit a player that we thought. His game's translated beautifully from the University of Oklahoma, as much as that pains us to say. So, and they have a nice tight end in Dan Schultz, even though they lost Blake Jarwin to the injured reserve. So I, I think that if they can, goodness, the Cardinals can't rush the passer right now. They don't have Chandler Jones. Jordan Phillips may or may not play because he has to go to his father's funeral. Of course he should do that. And they, the personnel up front is, is not great. And so it may not matter that Dallas's O-line isn't the best. The Cardinals right now are having consistent issues rushing the passer. And if that's the case, Dalton is an accurate thrower. He can complete passes. He can get passes to his playmakers. If the Cardinals are able to jump out to a lead and make Dalton and the Cowboys' offense one-dimensional, I think that is their best chance. But if Dallas gets in a position, much like Carolina did with Bridgewater and, and Mike Davis, where they can just sit and run the ball effectively and control the line of scrimmage and control time of possession, this is going to be a very difficult contest for the Cardinals to keep up. And we've talked about it week after week, Blake, and I've emphasized this leading up to this season. The defense is what it is. They are another offseason away, in my opinion, from being an upper echelon defense. I don't really care what the statistics say right now because they played a couple fraudulent offenses. If the Cardinals are hoping that they can get into the postseason, their offense is going to have to carry them. We saw a little bit of that in the second half last week against the Jets. And kudos to the defense right now, Blake. They're fourth in points per game, allowing 20 points per game. But now they've got to play the Rams twice. They've got to play Seattle twice. they got to play Dallas and New England. And they're going to have to play real offenses here in the second half. Buffalo. So, to me, it's like, how soon are we going to be able to see that unlocked offense with Kyler Murray clicking on all cylinders, not only with hop? with Kirk Isabella Fitzgerald Dan Arnold the running game being effective with Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake the sooner that happens I, I I'm of the opinion that the defense doesn't have to be as good as it has been the, f- the first five weeks of the season it can be worse and the Cardinals can still go on a tear and in my opinion it's got to start this week because I think you're going to be in a position where you're going to have to go like the the Giants did last week score for score it, at least until Dalton makes a um uh, throws an interception, makes an error. Zeke's been known to put the ball on the ground. Um, and I think it also is helpful that the Cardinals get, you know, a full 10 days to prepare for Dalton as opposed to the Giants where he came in, um, you know, unexpectedly and, and and had some success. It also helps that the Cardinals played Cincinnati a year ago and beat Dalton, even though Dalton played well in the fourth quarter. So I, I can see why Vegas is leaning this almost as a pick But at the end of the day, Cardinals have a better quarterback at this point, I mean, you could argue they have a better head coach than Mike McCarthy. Their defensive coordinators are likely a wash. I think Dallas has better personnel top to bottom on their team. So it evens out to what should be a very close and competitive game that leans to the offenses having, you know, big explosions, Blake.
0: Yeah, John, the, the Cowboys in their defense this year, part of it is just how many injuries they've had. We talked about Terrence Smith. Lyle Collins has been out for the year on the offensive side, so there's been some pass protection issues that we've seen. Dak was kind of compensating for a lot of that with using his legs. Unfortunately, one of such runs is where he suffered a compound ankle fracture. That's what sent him out for the rest of the season. Uh, On the defensive side, they've missed guys like Gerald McCoy went out for the year. They did not get nearly what they were expecting from Everson Griffin. I know you and I had even mentioned if that was something the Cardinals were going to look at would be, hey, should the Cardinals pursue Everson Griffin, um, see if they can add him in? Would he fit into a 3-4? The kind of consensus was... He's not as much of a fit for Vance's defense, and since he's gotten to the Cowboys, he's essentially been awful in terms of uh, production or stopping the run. Cowboys fans have been asking for him to get benched. It just kind of is a huge mess right now in Dallas, and just to give kind of some perspective, here are the scores from the Cowboys games. Now, you had the nationally televised game that started the year that had that controversial penalty ending against the Rams that was a 20 to 17 Rams victory that was that PI I think it was the PI call at least that they had uh, uh, put at least or OPI on uh, Michael Gallup that a lot of people thought was an acting but after that Cowboys went 40 to 39 over the Falcons. That was the game where the Falcons blew like you know, it was not quite 28 to 3, but they blew a huge lead at least in the end the Cowboys had that recovery. They gave up 39 to the Falcons, they gave up 38 to the Seahawks, they gave up 49 to the Browns, and then last week they gave up 34 to the Giants. They're giving up an average Of 36 points a game so far this season, John, it has been insane. That means that you're not only giving up, like, 30 points a game, you're giving up 30 points a game and a touchdown or two field goals. It's insane how bad their defense has been. And this is where Arizona, I think, will be able to come in with an edge because, John, as we've talked about, the matchup that you're looking for is – that Cowboys offense against the Cardinals defense to me is going to be the matchup I'm watching even more than the Cardinals versus, because as we know, we've seen, John, the Cardinals are capable of putting up points this season. We've seen that throughout each of their games they've played. Uh, They've gotten at least 23 points in every game that they've had so far, from my belief. And they have on average are kind of getting closer to that 30 number. You'd like to see them be able to kind of push it higher to get to that um. That 36 number overall, because this is a Cowboys team that is also putting up uh, pretty close to that number of points, too. If you're looking at how they've uh, scored for each week, John, it's kind of crazy as far as for their offense. I know Jerry Jones talked about, like, um, they even talked about, like, the 40 burger or something like that one. And that was kind of their goal heading into this season. That was part of why they drafted CeeDee Lamb was to... Um, basically be able to just to outscore the other team and then hope that their defense would be good enough but right now they're putting up about 32 points a game so so you're talking about what well, we're expecting john is a high scoring game and i think yep. that's the biggest thing at least that i think you can take away from this week is if the cardinals are not able to put up points that's that's going to be an issue if the cardinals are able are giving up a lot of points I think that it's not as much of an issue because we're expecting that the Cowboys will put up points. To me, John, it's going to come down to being able to take care of the football and being able to make enough plays on defense, either forcing turnovers or ending some drives to be able to get the edge in this one because if you're not able to do that, then this would be a Cowboys victory that we're talking about because, as we've seen with that offense, they can come back down the stretch, those big plays to Michael Gallup, as we've seen or being able just to hit, Uh, Dalton Schultz has been an excellent tight end for them, uh, despite the fact that Blake Jarwin went out for the year. I think that's where it's going to come down to, and you're going to have to try to force Andy Dalton to make some mistakes, because last week he did an excellent job of maintaining the game, making some clutch plays down the stretch, and they walked away with a win against the Giants. Now, obviously, without Dak Prescott, it's going to be interesting to see what they will do. what kind of game plan they'll come up with, how they'll adjust, what's going to be different there, especially because, as you mentioned, with the lack of pass rushers right now, this is our first Chandler Jones game. We'll get to see what the defense looks like um, without him. Fortunately, it does seem like there is at least some good news. Jalen Thompson is expected to be back for this Cardinals game. Yep. Um, you're also talking, I don't think Prince of Mucamera has been promoted off of the practice squad yet. John, you and I think that that's probably going to happen in the upcoming days to get him onto the roster. So you're at least going to get some defensive help uh, one move that I think the Cardinals could make, and we'll see if this happens, is that we recently saw um, uh, a certain cornerback who got, uh, to be, uh, excuse me, edge rusher, I should say, who was released from the team from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, let's talk a little bit at least about that because I think that seems to be the uh, move that I would make if I'm looking at them is that Cassius Marsh, who had uh, multiple sacks for the Cardinals last year, uh, he's currently a free agent because the Jaguars have released him a- as a result of uh, trading for a linebacker uh, from the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that you've got him out there and the fact that you also, like we're about to get into in a second, you've got guys like Dennis Gardeck and Kylie Fitz, uh, not Larry Fitzgerald, Kylie Fitz. There's two Fitz now in the Cardinals, it seems like. Uh, with them both missing practice this week, you're kind of losing some bodies at outside linebacker, uh, not to mention your all-pro starter and Chandler Jones.
1: Yeah, I think what is likely to happen on Monday, assuming Devon Kennard is back from his multiple game absence, I think you're going to see Hassan Reddick and Kennard start. And then over the course of the game, you could see maybe an Isaiah Simmons get some snaps there. I I wouldn't be surprised if they ran some 4-3 fronts with Zach Allen on the edge on the perimeter as a 4-3 defensive end. He's shown a little bit of an ability to rush the quarterback. And then also, you know, you need a a big time performance from Jordan Phillips if he does play the kind of performance that you paid him big money to have coming into the season, being able to feast on a decimated Dallas offensive line. But I think you hit the nail on the head, Blake. I I just I think the Cardinals, the way they want to play this over the second half of the season is or the remaining three fourths of the season, I should say, is. Let's try to strengthen our secondary in order to maybe get some coverage sacks. Prince of Mucamera is a real player that had a really nice season in 2018, had a down year last year, and just wasn't worth the compensation that he had signed in Chicago. But by all means, he's a he's a sub-starting NFL cornerback in, in this league. He can still play. I, I would put him on the same kind of level as Drake Kirkpatrick. And so when you talk about in this game or in the coming weeks, having a secondary that boasts the likes of Patrick Peterson, who is what he is at this point, but and certainly not you know, a, a scrub of a corner, Byron Murphy, who is getting better, Drake Kirkpatrick, who is who is solid. He, he doesn't get beat historically. If, if anything, he gives up underneath routes. He's a good tackler. And then Prince of Mucamara, that's a nice group of corners. Suddenly, that that group has, has gone from a potential liability after the Alford injury to maybe a strength on this team if they can mesh well together. Now, it may not be in time for Dallas, Blake, but... I would be surprised if, if Prince wasn't active for this game. He's already going through practice. By all accounts, he looks good. He's been keeping himself in shape. Um, I, would, I would imagine Peterson goes on Amari Cooper, maybe Byron Murphy because he's the younger guy, takes on CeeDee Lamb, and then you've got Drake Kirkpatrick uh, working on Michael Gallup, which you, you would assume is an advantage for Dallas. But with the addition of Jalen Thompson now on the back end, Buddha's back, he's got another week to work on, on playing with the cast. He should be more comfortable there. I didn't think Deontay Thompson was terrible last week. Um, And who knows, they could elevate T.J. Ward this week, too. So a lot of veterans, a lot of interchangeable parts in that secondary, but nobody now that suddenly looks like a massive liability. Um, So, again, like you mentioned, I still expect Dallas to to get their points. Um, The Cardinals, again, are still coached by Vance Joseph defensively. But I am more concerned with, can this offense take advantage of a Dallas defense that has been statistically one of the worst in the NFL? And, Blake, because... We didn't see this this offense take advantage of a historically bad Detroit Lions defense. We didn't see this offense do what they needed to do against Carolina. And so I, you know, I come into each week and I'm like, I don't know if it's necessarily the opponent; it's just what's sinking and meshing with this offensive group. They put up 24 points against a predominant healthy 49er defense and probably could have put up more. That was probably their most complete offensive game of the season. They looked really sharp in that contest. Um, and then since then, yeah, they looked okay at, at times against Washington, but two down performances against the lions and the Panthers. And really Blake, we both probably feel like they should have put up 40 points against the jets last week, but they played a really good second half. They refound their running game. They need to lean on that against Dallas who gave up over 300 yards rushing to Cleveland in the process. And so I think that it, it's really up to cliff and Kyler. Can they do enough offensively be, situationally good where they're limiting the penalties in Kyler's case limiting the turnovers he's had multiple interceptions in several games this year he's already has already has six after having uh, throughout I think the first half of 2019 he didn't even have half of that um and so I think if they're able to play field position have explosive plays not settle for field goals not turn the ball over the Cardinals should win this game they can't expect to though if they're consistently putting the ball on the ground, if Kyler's throwing interceptions, if they they lead the NFL, I believe, in penalties. Um, and they, Kyle Odegaard of uh, azcardinals.com had a good breakdown on the team website, basically saying like they're beating themselves in a lot of different ways. And again, I don't think it has much to do with the defenses that they're facing. Think about the upcoming slate of defenses that the Cardinals face. They get the Cowboys this week, horrific. Seattle's not good defensively. Miami's hit or miss defensively. They don't have great personnel. I know they have a a good young head coach in Brian Flores. Then they get the Bills who were just throttled by the Titans. Then they get the Seahawks again. Patriots defense isn't what it once was. The Rams defense is just okay. They get the Giants. They get the Eagles. They get the Niners. They get the Rams. That is a slate, you would think, of multiple 30-plus point games. This is a chance for the Cardinal offense to, to make a statement. Really, they've probably seen the best defense that they'll see all year in week one against San Francisco or maybe week two against Washington. So, again, the defense is what it is. It was always the weak link for this team. And I know they've gotten worse with the with the lack of a pass rush in Chandler Jones. The offense has no excuse. It's had no excuse since the season began. It's been healthy since week one. They added DeAndre Hopkins. They've got a plethora of of weapons at their disposal. No one has missed significant time other than Kirk. And he, he's a staple to me, needs to be, but you know, with, with Isabella, you're paying Larry Fitzgerald, uh, $11 million. The offensive line has the most depth they've ever had and has performed the best that I can remember. They've given up eight total hits in five weeks, eight quarterback hits. That's astonishing for that group. Now, J.R. Sweezy may not play, but he looked like a liability last week. The offense needs to come out, set the tempo And I, I think I, every week I'm predicting 35 to 40 points, thinking it's the week that they're going to explode. And they just, they run themselves into a position where they just, they, they wait either too long or, you know, eventually they get going, but they make a turnover. I think this is the week finally that we're going to see Kyler Murray nationally televised game in his, in his home state, and they can put up 40 plus points against the Dallas team that quite frankly, could be in, in, on a downturn rebuilding. I mean, you're starting Andy Dalton in 2020. You should be embarrassed by a Kyler Murray-led team, statistically. If Kyler Murray is a top-10 quarterback already, which we believe that he is, and Andy Dalton is a replacement-level quarterback, certainly I wouldn't take him over 25 quarterbacks in this league. With the offensive weapons you have, you need to put up 40 points against this Dallas team, led by Mike Nolan defensively and Mike McCarthy, who looks completely shot as a head coach. Will they do it? I don't know, but I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah, John, this is a thing where when you're talking about how they've matched up so far, people even said like on tape, there's times where you look at Trevon Diggs and he's pointing something out and you're like, what's he pointing out? And then you just see a player get completely burned for a big play. Like, oh, he basically is just like he's a rookie. And they're struggling so much that they're kind of able to like you're able to see on tape where they're about to get burned before they actually do. So what I think this needs to be, John, is you want to see this be the DeAndre Hopkins game where last week we finally got to see Hopkins get involved in the deep passing game with Arizona. You'd love to be able to see it where because of those weapons, because of Fitzgerald, because of Isabella's speed, um, with Kirk hopefully being healthy and having a bit more of a rapport on the other side, uh, going up against a rookie in Trevon Diggs. You'd love to see this be a game where Kyler was able to kind of unleash that deep ball and be able to have the, like we said, the identity of this team is going to be with Hopkins and with Kyler's legs, What I think that you want to see also on this aspect, John, is you looked at how the Browns game plan was and how many yards they rushed for with their starting running backs. I want this to be kind of the Kenyon Drake slash Chase Edmonds game. Like, that's what I think that you want this to be, where you're able to have some of those deep passes. But I think you especially want to see uh, this run game be able to just like pick up, you know, five, six yards per carry, be able to march down the field. And then you'd love to be able to have a a team that's able to go and finally have a week without having a turnover. I think that would be the biggest goal that I think you could have for the Cardinals is, hey, if we can get an effective rushing game and we can avoid turnovers – we should be able to win this game because the Cowboys are not a good team at all. They're probably still potentially the leaders in the clubhouse for winning the NFC East. They've got a 2-3 and three record. Uh, if they miss a field goal at the end of the game, it goes to overtime. Uh, if they don't jump on that crazy fumble, they might be talking about a one-win team here so far going into Week 6. Uh, and like you mentioned also, this is also a spot where Kyler Murray, has he's played before, it's been a spot with... Uh, with Dallas, he's been in that stadium multiple times. It's also going to be a crowd there, and I think that's what you want to see for this week: is the Cardinals not take a step back after coming off of that Panthers game, after and then going into the Jets game and bringing the energy, bringing a lot of kind of that uh, the motivation that they brought up in the first half, and then it paid off dividends in that second half. They were able to run the Jets out of the building to a thirty to ten win. That's what I think you want to see is be able to bring that energy. And if you end up seeing a team that comes out and goes kind of lackluster, well, I think that's the difference then between talking about what is makes a good football team to what makes an average football team. So right now, John, we want to believe that the Cardinals can be a good football team. But if you're going to be a good football team, you have to be able to win these games against tough opponents that have strengths by taking advantage of those weaknesses. And that's why I think that this is going to have to be coming down to Um, Cliff and Kyler, because like you and I have talked about, if the Cowboys have all these weapons, we still believe they can put up points. You're saying, hey, our defense, we just want you to slow them. The onus is going to be on the offense to be able to take over this game. Uh, Now, I do want to say you you mentioned also a little bit about the Rams uh, pivoting a little bit, just kind of some of the division games. Uh, You did kind of bring up an interesting point about with how the Rams have been so far. Um, They have so far played outside of the Cowboys in week one. They played the Eagles. They played the Bills, who they lost giving up 35 points to, the Giants, and then the Washington football team. So, so far, the Rams have been kind of ranked as the top defensive unit. They've had an actual actually improved uh, some after letting Wade Phillips go which I think has been kind of interesting, at least, as far as the, you know, the Vance Joseph, Wade Phillips model goes. Uh, But they really haven't also played any dominant offenses so far, at least when they did in the Bills, they gave up 35 points and lost. So uh, looking around the division, you talked about what's upcoming, where uh, the Rams, they are probably one of the better teams in the NFL this year is what it looks like. But Jared Goff, honestly, is kind of being masked a little bit by Sean McVay. And like you mentioned, the Seahawks are statistically the worst defense in the NFL. Russell Wilson putting up MVP numbers is basically taking care of that. And looking back in Niners land, you're talking about a San Francisco 49ers team that is debating between starting a C.J. Bethard or a not healthy Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins. So you've got an opportunity because it's not that the NFC West teams are unbeatable this year. They just are a bit better than each of the other teams. So I think that's where the Cardinals have an opportunity, I think, in this game. Because if you drop this game and go down to 3-3 three and three and then talk about your upcoming schedule of against the Seahawks, against this is a game where I think, like we talked last week as a must-win game to get back on track. I think that this isn't less of a must-win, but I think that this is an opportunity win where – if you can take a win, go 4-2, and two, be able to compete against Seattle, you're going to be at home that next week. I think that you're going to be able to talk about having a chance for the Cardinals to be viewed like a playoff team if they can win this at 4-2, and two, kind of take a step up. And then if you can kind of clean up and, you know, go 2-4, and four, maybe uh, is maybe underselling it a bit if the Niners are going to be bad, maybe you can finish with three or four wins in the division, And take advantage of that. Because, John, that's what I think everyone wants to see for this fan. Playoffs has not really been so much of the goal. I think that the goal at least is to say, hey, we need to learn how to win as a football team. Get to kind of the eight or nine wins. If you can take advantage of this Cowboys team and beat them this week, you may have a chance to be able to get an outside shot at 10 wins. And that would almost guarantee your spot in the playoffs. And to me, that's where I think this is a game that you want to see the Cardinals win, especially against the likes of Andy Dalton, who, although he's, Certainly, a starting quarterback in the NFL, not just because of the position. His talent level is still starter worthy. You still are looking at a guy who's not nearly the quarterback that Dak Prescott was in this offense. And that's where I think you have to walk away from this game with a win, because if you don't, I think things will suddenly shift to looking at the Cardinals of, all right, maybe you're more of like a seven to eight win team if you can kind of scrape together a win the the worst case scenario i think is you end up kind of seeing more injuries take their toll or issues with the defense post chandler jones but i i think john that this has to be a huge emphasis on the cardinals to be able to say hey this team is not good if we are a good team we need to win this game
1: yeah and i'll make a prediction right now if the cardinals win the turnover battle they're going to win this game i i think the fact that this this defense is next to last behind Houston in told takeaways is an indictment of Vance Joseph they have not been able to consistently force turnovers since he arrived they were one of the worst takeaway teams a year ago and really it was Chandler and, and his strip sacks in the process that aided that number um, and so i i i am just i am skeptical because what you're asking you know as much as we dog on the Seattle's defense they at least force turnovers and give Russell Wilson the ball back and he does the rest The Cardinals haven't been in a position outside of, you know, once or twice this year to immediately cash in off a turnover. We saw it last week, right? We saw Patrick Peterson, or maybe it was two weeks ago, against Carolina. The Patrick Peterson interception resulted in the Kyler Murray touchdown pass to Daryl Daniels. Earlier this season, we saw, uh, I think, a forced fumble that led to a touchdown by the Cardinals. They only have two defensive takeaways in five games. That's not going to cut it. You're almost asking them to play perfect football. Uh, you know, offensively. And you just mentioned it. If, you know, the Chandler Jones injury outside of, you know, what we thought we were going to get from uh, the injured Robert Alford was their first significant long-term injury that they've had defensively. And even with Chandler, they weren't first forcing turnovers. So if they get to a point where they just become, you know, automatic points for for an opposing offense, then we've got, you know, questions of a year ago where the Cardinals had to play complete football and offensively perfect football run the football dominate time of possession just to be in the game uh, and there were so many instances last year the Giants game the Cincinnati game the Atlanta game where the Cardinals jumped out to big leads and you just had to hold on for dear life because the defense would just give up you know, a cluster of points in a single quarter I hope we don't revert back to that I hope the defense now year two under Vance even though you know we feel like he's in over his head they've, they've got some scheme familiarity they've got a lot of veterans on this defense still you know, they still have three of their four linebackers in Kennard, Campbell, and Hicks. Let's see what happens with Isaiah Simmons. The defensive line is intact, and we're seeing, you know, a little bit more of an inclusion of the two rookie defensive tackles in Rashad Lawrence and Lucky Fotu. And the secondary, I think, has, has a chance to take a little bit of a jump. If this team ever starts forcing turnovers defensively, and the offense clicks the way we think it can, they're going to win t- nine to ten games. But if, like you mentioned, Blake, if they remain stagnant, if Kyler keeps throwing interceptions, if the defense... Really collapses without Chandler Jones. They're a six or a seven win team, but I think the frustrating part on on our end is this: they have the personnel to be a playoff team. Offensively, that you know, DJ Humphries is playing his best career football to date. He he's going to be in contention at the end of the year, Blake, potentially for a Pro Bowl selection at tackle. They've got the best wide receiver in all football right now. Kyler Murray's on pace for over four, 40 touchdowns. For over forty touchdowns, Kenyon Drake is. Not super effective, but Chase Edmonds, between he and Chase Edmonds, they're putting up nice yardage. Now they need a secondary option at receiver, which we hope Kirk can be, but just the way that, that Sean Cougar has the offensive line playing and the way Kirk and Hopkins is dominating, like it's really up to Kyler and it's up to Vance for this team and to a lesser extent Kingsbury for this team to be able to get to nine to ten wins. And again, that's the frustrating part when we watch this team every week is unlike last year where they just didn't have the horses and they were trotting out practice level squad, you know, players throughout the duration of the 16 game season this year, we know everybody. We know how Patrick Peterson should be playing Byron Murphy in year two. You know, the, the, the jumps in production we should get from our front seven Kirk putting it all together in year three, Isabella in year two. Like these are the guys that need to take a step forward. It can't just be two or three guys. It can't just be Kyler when he's on and, and Hopkins and, you know, defensively, it can't just be Buda Baker with one hand. I mean, some of these other players have to shine and shine in prime time. And, and hopefully this is the week that we see a maturation process with a lot of these young players that the Cardinals have drafted recently. I mentioned Byron Murphy, who's going to have a really tough task against that Dallas receiving core. Zach Allen, who's gotten close to a couple sacks, but, you know, has remained relatively quiet in recent weeks. You know, Jordan Hicks and Devondre Campbell have been pretty good. They haven't been great since week one and two. And then offensively, you know, can can this offensive line reestablish itself as one of the best run blocking offensive lines in all football? They've done a fantastic job outside of the Carolina game and pass protection. Now it's time to reassert themselves as as road graders and just run over Dallas. Can they run over Dallas in the process and dominate time of possession? Get Kyler Murray so comfortable that he's sitting back in the pocket six, seven seconds to throw and is accurately delivering the football to, to the receiving core. They are capable. And so when we turn on our TV Sunday and we watch them screw around against Detroit and Carolina and for a first half against the Jets, that's when we're frustrated with this team. And that, to me, it goes back to coaching. So do I think that they are going to beat Dallas? I do. I think that they're going to put it together and they're going to score in the upper 30s. I'll give my official prediction. I think, I think they win somewhere in the vicinity of maybe 38 to 27, something like that. But if they play like they have the past three weeks and they get sloppy with the football, they're going to lose. So I, I put that on the contingent that if they win, the, they win the turnover battle, they're going to win this game. And I think that they will.
0: Yeah, John, the, the, that seems to be the one thing I think that you're looking for that may be holding this team back is penalties. And I'm, I'm a little different. I think that penalties in my opinion are less a coaching and discipline issue. And more of a talent issue because if you've got the talent or ability, you don't need to commit a penalty. As far as, you know, if a guy is going to get past you and it's holding, if you're going to be um, in a spot at least where you're having to break up a pass or holding back on a guy because he's beating you, Uh, to me, that is, I think, an indicative of a talent issue. And the Cardinals have had a lot of those on the offensive side. Uh, Some of that, I think, at least, is a few penalties that I think you could at least say were probably poor ones as far as eh, I don't know if I would have called it that but there's been enough of those either that have been false starts or uh, holding penalties that you've had from the team that have kind of held their offense back at least one possession or so this year like I think that the interception that Murray had on the batted ball in the Jets game uh, that probably takes at least some set of points off the board that was kind of what lowered them to at 30 points overall in some cases. So I think that's where you're gonna have to look at the Cardinals in this next off season of the offense didn't have as much talent as we were expecting. I think that for the most part though, the good news is that your offensive line at least aiming for the future seems pretty set. What you'd love to see though, is not just focus on, all right, 2021 will be a better team. Like you said, I think that there is definitely gonna be that room for improvement, but you want to see that improvement this year because nothing is ever guaranteed next year. You don't know who's going to be there, who's going to be back uh, officially, uh, even because of injuries or other aspects. Right now what's known is that the Cardinals are in the thick of it with a bunch of other teams who are also at 3-2 and two and in a division with two uh, a 5-win team and a 4-win team. So I think that's something we'll have to focus on. Now what I did want to talk a little bit about is because we've mentioned with some of the C.D. Lamb, I want to talk about not him but more just the 2020 class in general – Uh, as far as the NFL is concerned. Uh, When you're talking about how this 2020 rookie class has looked as far as the wide receiver position, it's so far actually been pretty phenomenal. Lamb is leading the way right now with about 89 scrimmage yards per game. Uh, That only trails Odell Beckham's rookie season in 2014. He had 111 yards per game uh, in his rookie year. Justin Jefferson is right behind him at about 74 uh, rookie Gerald, and then looking at Chase Claypool, Mr. Four touchdown from this last week at about 68 yards per game. Uh, go a bit down past the likes of Amari Cooper, Terry McLaurin, Juju Smith-Schuster, LaVisca Chenault has been doing great for the Jaguars, and then Henry Ruggs coming in. So those are when you're talking about uh, just looking in like the past decade or so, and obviously it's not anywhere close to what Anquan Bolden was getting as a rookie in his first season. Um, but we're, we're talking about a 2020 rookie class that – has been looking excellent overall. What's interesting, John, is the 2021 class looks to be just as good as far as the wide receiver spot goes, and that's where I think it's going to be an interesting choice for Arizona to make. Um, You know, we haven't had as much that we've talked about as far as uh, college football players because, you know, the Cardinals have had uh, plenty of – uh, plenty of, I should say, at least current talent where we haven't had to just say, all right, this year's kind of a hang-up there's no playoffs. Let's just focus. What's going to happen with the draft? We haven't had to do that this year so far. Uh, but let's talk a little bit. What are the biggest positions of need right now that you see, at least on the Cardinals team? Because outside of always trying to address uh, some of the spots in the offensive or defensive line, it feels a lot more like some of those spots, at least going into next year, are more set than not, which is something that I didn't think we'd say for a while
1: yeah certainly feels like offensively they're in a really good spot outside of I think if you wanted to splurge and take a playmaking running back in the middle rounds to compliment Chase Edmonds with the caveat that Kenyon Drake won't be back you could do that find out if you if you fall in love with the back in the second third or fourth round by all means take take them and you let Edmonds and, and whoever that player is split the reps and um you know I I might Throw Kingsbury a bone in that situation of I'm Steve Kine and say hey who do you like at the college level? We know they like Clyde edwards Hilaire. we know they like Zach Moss. They 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 were in the market for back in this draft and they took one at Eno Benjamin, but I think they could double down next year. Um, but that's certainly not a red flag, and um, I certainly don't think that they're going to re-sign Kenyon Drake after what we've seen. Receiver remains something of a question mark, but. Let's wait. Let's go through the end of the season. Maybe Isabella continues to emerge. He's almost on pace to go for more receiving yards than Christian Kirk. It's about to eclipse his to- total for 2019. And, they, you know, I, I have no idea what's going to happen with Fitzgerald. I- you know, I'm pro bringing Fitz back every chance we get. But let's let's not give him 11 million again. Um, and who knows if he would even want to come back for less than that. But if it's a special scenario where you can get a, a impact X or Y receiver, I would consider it. And then on the offensive line, left tackle set. I think that they like the group that they have at tackle. I think I I would I would be inclined to look at Kelvin Beecham and see if he would like to come back next year on another one to two year deal. Uh, and then you have the ability to slow play the development of Josh Jones, or if they feel like Josh Jones is ready, you can plug him in. The interior is where I think we're going to see most of the movement. Justin Murray... Is probably going to be a spot starter or a full time starter next year. JR Sweezy is likely out. Uh, Justin Pugh is under contract with a big salary cap number. They could bring him back if they wanted to. And then Mason Cole, Lamont Gilliard. Cole right now is the starter. Gilliard showed some ability, and I could, I could see Cole kicking over to left guard if Gilliard wants to be the center or if they want Gilliard to be the center. So, again, I would compare offensive line to that of receiver, where if there's an impact player that they like early, they could target, but certainly, like, as the offense is constructed, I think that's, that's part of the reason, Blake, we're so critical of the offense right now. They have the ability to go back-to-back years and just have consistency and be a really good unit, be an elite unit with the players that they have with, uh, with an upgrade or two here or there. But wholesale changes are not needed. It's the defense, I think, where they need to continue to spend majority of their attention. And I think part of that is due to the uncertainty of whether or not Vince Joseph will be back. What position does Isaiah Simmons play? Uh, Does Devondre Campbell come back and you move Simmons to strong safety? What, What goes on with Patrick Peterson? I think the biggest needs on the team right now, top to bottom, all fall on the defensive side. I still think that you need a disruptive three or five technique defensive lineman similar to that of Calais Campbell. That was when the Cardinals defense was at its best, where they could overcompensate for the lack of pass rush at outside linebacker before Chandler Jones arrived. Speaking of outside linebacker, I think that they would be inclined to add another one either in the draft or free agency. Um, Canard's under contract. Chandler enters his last year of his deal, but he's going to be rehabbing majority of the offseason. And then in the secondary, you're probably going to need to draft a corner fairly high. I would imagine if Patrick Peterson is brought back, it's on an incentive lated deal. It's not going to be a big money deal. He has not looked like the same player. Now, that's not breaking news to anybody. Um, But I do think that they would have interest in bringing him back if the contract was, was team friendly, but it usually never is with players like Patrick. So it just, again, it depends on where Byron Murphy is, but I think if I had to rank them right now, that the top three needs for this team entering the 2021 off season in lieu of the draft would be number one corner. Number two, I would still go defensive line. And number three is uh, edge rusher for me. All three on defense, Blake.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. I I feel like that the, The way that the offense has kind of disappointed compared to the defense has me questioning and wondering if you end up getting, let's say that you do move on from Vance Joseph or let's say that you keep him and let's say that Isaiah Simmons comes in and fills in in that Will linebacker role and you end up seeing kind of at least comparable play to what you've been getting out of Devondre Campbell so far. Either of those options, either getting a DC that fits him or otherwise – The biggest thing, like you said, I think, is going to be if you're going to see Peterson walking out the door, if you're going to be seeing, you know, these these are two one-year deals that we have for Draker Patrick and the newly added Prince of Mukamara. So unless you're going to be extending or trying to re-sign one or both of those guys, I think it really is going to come down to... Are you going to be willing to pay Patrick Peterson long term deal to be a lifetime card? Or are you going to say, you know what, this this is kind of a situation where we have to let him walk? And you know, you kind of are maybe a little scared of a Calais Campbell or Tyron Matthew type situation. Um, given the age of Calais Campbell, he had a phenomenal few years. It was just in a bit of a different scheme right now. Peterson is in kind of the best possible scheme outside of, you know, having, you know, like maybe a slightly better defensive coordinator or like a Todd Bowles. Obviously that's kind of the upper echelon. You're talking about at least a, a player who seems to be in a spot and in a position where it's harder, much, much harder to be effective later in your career. And I think then the question comes down to, all right, if Peterson wants to get paid and you are not wanting to, you know, trade him and just kind of care, have him carry you through because you you need to have these coverage guys to compete this year. Are you going to be bringing him back then through a franchise tag? And so far, John, I think that he has not earned that franchise tag yet. I have not seen that type of player, that caliber, to be the point where I'd say, yeah, no, got a franchise tag him.
1: No, and he. And that not. results
0: is like, okay, well, if you're not going to trade him, you're going to kind of roll with him. Then I do think that corner would be your number one need overall for this team. Uh, That being said, I think if you're looking at the corners as far as that, a lot of times those guys who come out as far as your first year, like you look at Byron Murphy's first year, you get the struggles Jeff Okuda has. It's hard to be able to find a rookie corner who's able to come out of the blue and be able to start and then perform well. So you're at least going to have to sign a corner of some sort. I I think what I have at least as far as the number two need, uh, I'm echoing with you as far as for with edge rusher, I think is something that's up there, especially with, Uh, Chandler and his situation, but I I would put the edge rusher as my third need. And the reason why is because I think you do have Chandler for one more year. We've seen what Canard has looked like. And I'm going to bank on the fact that if Isaiah Simmons is going to be able to be in a better situation next year, and if you get someone who can design a bit better blitz packages, be able to utilize what you have with Buda, with Jalen, with others, I think that you can get by with being able to blitz some of those guys a lot more often. I think that you can wait until... If you wanted to 2022 for your edge rusher, knowing at least, Hey, if Chandler Jones has a career year, cool. We could franchise tag him if we feel he's getting long on the tooth or be able to extend him. And then all of a sudden you're talking about, okay, now you got a new younger pass rusher that you can then bring in potentially in the first round. I, I think you could wait a year on that. So my number two need that I have would be a true number two wide receiver from what I've seen so far. And John, I think you can back me up on this. Last week was the first game that we saw Christian Kirk really, truly look like a second wide receiver. And I kind of say that with the caveat of, yeah, there was a lot of times that they played off coverage, but he made clutch catches down the sideline. He was able to kind of come back to the ball some. We just haven't seen that in the consistency. And I think that's been the biggest question that I've had with Kirk, because he's going in on year three now. He's heading into his fourth and final year next season. Uh, right now, John, would you look at signing Christian Kirk to one of those big deals that you would have, at least for the most part. Because right now I would say, gosh, like you've already got Hopkins under contract. I don't see Kirk being in playing at that level. to say that you need to assign all of this money to wide receivers. So I honestly would look at a second wide receiver spot.
1: Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I think if I had to put receiver, it'd be my fourth need to be my number one need on offense. How about that? And my fourth overall on the team behind. Uh, corner at number one, disruptive defensive lineman number two, and outside linebacker number three. Um, I think that here's here's my position at the at the receiver standpoint. I know this is going to go against the mindset that they've taken in recent years. Like you know, we like similar to Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray, you can't use this argument in one or the other because. If, if the Cardinals were to go of the notion that well, we already have a quarterback in Josh Rosen, we don't need Kyler Murray. That, that does not speak well to my argument that they already have Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. So they don't need to take another receiver. And I think that's where a lot of fans, including you were coming from with the CD lamb d- debacle at, at pick number eight. I just think maybe not as far as Kirk goes, because this is his third year. I just think we need to see maybe just a little bit more from Isabella and let's see with Kirk this this is his third year, but it's only his second with Kyler Murray and, and Cliff's offense. I just I will have a better read on this group when the season's over. And it could be a scenario in which they continue to disappoint in starts. Um, they, they continue to disappear in games like Kirk has for many times uh, in and out of the, the training room. Isabella, you know, inconsistencies um, and we fast forward to January, and Hopkins has 1,700 yards, and the next closest receiver, whether it's Kirk or Isabella, has 500. <laughs> oh, I would gosh, yeah. happily move receiver up on the wish list. Um, they have invested so much into that position. I just selfishly I want it to work out. Whereas I look at defensively, outside of Byron Murphy, they haven't drafted a corner high in a while. They have not drafted an outside linebacker. I'm not counting Hassan Reddick or Isaiah Simmons. Uh, a true outside linebacker since Marcus Golden. Their defensive line outside of Robert Deechey has not been addressed with an impact early round defensive lineman. Um, I know they took Lecky and Rashad Lawrence; those are fourth round picks. You know, I, I guess Zach Allen was a third round pick, but I'm talking just a bona fide like you get a stud defensive lineman from you know a big conference or or a big program. Um, whereas they went out and they took Christian Kirk in the second. They traded a second for DeAndre Hopkins. They gave up a fourth-round pick for um, Hakeem Butler. They they drafted Andy Isabella in the second round. I mean, they put a lot of resources in this receiving core, and I've seen glimpses from both Kirk and Isabella where I want to be able to see a little bit more consistency, but I'm certainly not ready to write them off. But in in regard to your, your question about whether or not Kirk deserves a big extension, he doesn't. But time is on our side. We've got him through next year on his cheap rookie contract. There's no fifth-year option that you have to worry about picking up. And, you know, if he breaks out next year and goes for 1,200 yards, then you can franchise him or get a, a team extension done with him. But you can slow play that. I, again, I think the biggest issue is what are you willing to pay Larry Fitzgerald? I said that when we recorded our podcast in February, when he re-signed, and I, I, we, I was doing it remotely. I was in uh, California outside of a hotel, and I was on my cell phone, and we were talking about this, and I knew we would get blowback. I liked bringing him back, but for $11 million, that was an overpay. And I get it that you would just, he had led the team in receiving a year ago, and that was great, and he's the face of your franchise, but you have, now you have DeAndre Hopkins. So, okay, let's put that aside. They they overpaid him this year. You can't continue to pay Larry Fitzgerald that much money. You just can't. That's, that's, that is, I, he is no longer the face of your franchise, Kyler Murray is. He's no longer your number one receiver. Is he even your number two receiver at this point? He could finish fourth on rece- in receiving yards on this team, Blake, this year. And if he wants to play again next year, you're going to have a, an uncomfortable conversation if you're Steve Kime with Michael Bidwell and say, hey, we're in a position where the salary cap is either staying status quo or decreasing. Larry Fitzgerald, we love you. You're welcome to come back. You're going to have to take a pay cut, a pay cut at 38 years old. So to me, you know. If they're paying Larry Fitzgerald 11 million dollars again next year, Blake paying Hopkins 18 to 19 million dollars, they have two second round receivers, and then they're going to go and draft another receiver high. I just that's bad business to me, and that that money could be spent elsewhere and those resources elsewhere. But I completely agree with you. To round out this this little rant I'm on, if we end the season and either Kirk or Isabella. Has not established themselves as a as a certified number two. If Kirk can't build on it off of his performance and Isabella can't continue to ascend, then yes, they need to go out, whether it's in free agency or the draft. Free agency, though there are competent number two receivers available. Robbie Anderson was available throughout the you know, first couple waves of free agency. Um, we've seen Emmanuel Sanders jump from team to team and just produce a hundred yard games. They could go out and get a free agent wide receiver to have impact. So I I think that that's a question we need to answer after the season. I just look at this defense and not being able to force turnovers and rush the passer right now is a detriment to them being able to be a playoff team. Whereas number two receiver, I think we can get enough out of Kirk and Isabella this year to make a make a postseason run.
0: Yeah, and as far as for a lot of fans who are kind of maybe like bemoaning the fact as far as with passing on a C.D. Lamb, it's like you missed the Kyler connection, but I've never been too concerned about that just because in part, like you said, John, it's easy enough to find uh, receivers that you get to pay as far as for being a number two since you have your number one in DeAndre Hopkins. If you're looking to be one of those teams like the Chiefs that loads up on all sorts of talent, at least, then maybe that's another part of your identity. Uh, Obviously, we've talked about how uh, the corner be able to find playmakers. Um, some of it comes down, I think, to scheme. Some of it comes down to uh, your talent, like Buda Baker, at least as far as a free safety. is not. Uh, he's not Ed Reed. It's like the opposite of his game. He's been much more of your kind of box guy. We'll, we'll see what the defense looks like with Jalen Thompson back. He did have one interception last year in one of the games he started. It'll be interesting to see how they'll use him schematically. And uh, the way that Vance Joseph schemes his defense to play a lot of press man or some of these kind of deeper zones when they didn't have you know the safety able to make some of the tackles a lot of those kind of plays that we saw with interceptions came interestingly enough at the linebacker spot from having a defensive present up front if you're going to be featuring other types of blitzes or other things with a different dc i think that would be probably the other shift you could see happening Uh, but i also haven't been too concerned about finding one of those guys because next year's wide receiver class is just that deep, you're looking at like the Jamar Chase is already out for the season, at least from LSU. He was probably the number one wide receiver last year. He'll go high. You've got Rondell Moore is returning to play this year, and you got the two Bama guys in Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith. Uh, there's also some depth with other guys who are there later as well. So, if you're not talking about all of it, then I think that you're looking at, you know, maybe you even say, Hey, we got a corner in the first round, we need to get a starting running back who can carry the ball next to Chase Edmonds will have to do that at least using a second round pick and if you have to take someone in the third round to say "Hey, we're going to let Kirk walk after this year I I think that's a fine strategy to take and it's why I'm while I think that there is maybe a somewhat of a cost that we've said as far as immediate impact I I don't think it's an overall cost and it's not like one of those moves where you're going to be like oh we're regretting this for years there's no way we can fill that spot or position like how we felt in the past with other players that we've seen the Cardinals sometimes whiff on or pass on that have gone on to have successful careers. Uh, The other thing, John, like you mentioned, at least when it comes to fits, uh, really when you're looking at the the Cardinals core four, as far as their four biggest players, the Steve, this will be kind of our last thing as we wrap up today. Uh, The four core players that they had were Patrick Peterson, larry fitzgerald chandler jones and david johnson and we'll see what goes on with chandler jones i think everyone expects that he's he seemed kind of off this year the hope is that he'll be able to take time recover come back next year knowing it's a contract year he'll be 30 years old but it is kind of like the end of an era in that aspect john of you're seeing peterson we're talking about of not being here next year as of right now david johnson's already hit the wall been traded he's averaging even worse yards per carry than Kenyon Drake right now. And Drake has had a less than stellar start to the year. And uh, Fitzgerald right now, he's kind of like your at most four catches, 40 yard guy. There's maybe a lack of utilization you could argue, but uh, right now it just kind of feels like this is kind of that transitionary period away from That 2015 to 2019 Cardinals that we've seen, these have been kind of the faces of your franchise, and you're kind of seeing that at least fade. It's kind of the end of an era in that regard. I think the positive that we've seen overall, though, John, is the Cardinals have actually had, outside of the likes of – uh, Peterson and Chandler they've at least seen people step up behind when David Johnson's been out we've seen uh, Kirk and Isabella be able to make some plays I, I think at least this is kind of just one of those sad and tough transitions to have for Cardinals fans and we haven't had to have this with our stars for the last uh, few years at least for that one I, I think it's good to be able to enjoy and appreciate these players while we at least have them for all the plays that they've made while simultaneously saying hey if they, this team can beat this Dallas team it'll probably be at least without the likes of David Johnson, without Chandler Jones. Uh, Then you're just talking kind of about Fitz and P2 at that point. What do you think as far as for how Cardinals fans should feel about this end of an era, especially if we're talking about like potentially in 2022, they may not have any of these guys left.
1: Well, I think, you know, Fitz has been fortunate and it's been in part to do with his play that he's been around for the majority of this successful run that the Cardinals have had as a franchise um, since they drafted him in 2000, in 2003, 2004. Um, and so, I, you know, we're always in the, in the position where we feel like it could be his time to hang him up. We thought at the end of the, the run with Palmer, we thought maybe after the Steve Wilkes year, and now he's in year two with, with Cliff Kingsbury. So never say never with Fitz, as long as he enjoys playing and he's a productive member of the team. But I, I do agree with you. I think that this, we're in a position now where we're seeing a transition. Um, We saw it at the end of the time with with Ken Wisenhunt and then with Bruce Arians and, you know, the outlier year with Steve Wilkes. But now it's transitioning from Larry and Patrick. You know, Calais is gone. Now it's Kyler Murray's team and DeAndre Hopkins and DJ Humphreys. I would put in that group. And then defensively, I would put Buda Baker. We hope Byron Murphy. We cross our fingers with Isaiah Simmons, but you can see him reaching for some guys defensively to be a part of that core group. And I think that speaks to the lack of impact defenders that are established on defense that they have going forward. Chandler Jones is, I would assume going to be in their plans past next year, assuming he can come back from injury. Um, cause I think that the, the team and he wants to be around. So I, 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 wouldn't put him as a part of the, um, you know, indefinite future, but I do think that, you know, through 2021, 2022, he'll be on this team in some way, shape, or form. Will he be the player we saw a year ago that eclipsed 19 sacks? Um, that remains to be seen. But you can sense now they need an impact defender in their front seven to be a part of this next group. But if I had to if I had to lay it on four players to be just the, the core four moving forward, I would pick Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Buda Baker, and then I'm crossing my fingers for Isaiah Simmons. You take that player eighth overall, and he needs to be a, become a Pro Bowl-level player. So I'm still hopeful that happens at safety or pass rusher or inside linebacker, wherever they figure out where to best utilize his talents, and, and maybe that's got to be done, like under a different coordinator.
0: Absolutely. And that'll be what we'll go to assess with the rest of the season for Vance Joseph. And it starts this upcoming Monday night against that terrifying Cowboys offense that was number one in the NFL before losing Dak Prescott. I've got the Cardinals winning that game 35-26 for my final score projection. We'll uh, we'll see. I don't think that they're going to be in a spot offensively to hit 40. I do think Dallas is going to uh, be motivated, at least in their nationally televised game Uh, And I do think they're gonna be able to put up some points, but ultimately I do think that the Cardinals right now from what we've seen are the better team. Uh, We'll find out on the other side, at least of uh, the Monday night nationally televised game. Hopefully we'll be talking about Kyler Murray putting on a show in prime time. And uh, that will be what we look forward to breaking down next week. And that will wrap it up for us here on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, again, you can always follow us at Pod on Twitter, listen in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, other places like Stitcher, Himalaya, And uh, you can also follow us as well on Twitter. My at is at Blake Murphy seven jump into the dialogue, or if you feel like that I'm wrong about with any of the takes that we've had with uh, lamb or Simmons or other stuff like that, you know, feel free to (laughs) add me. I'm always happy to be able to dialogue with Cardinals fans or fans of other teams. And uh, John, you actually had an interview, I think with um, uh, some Dallas guys this week. Uh, Why don't you drop that as well as where we can find your content.
1: Sure. Of course you can find me as always at revenge as well as the ROTB podcast. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Johnny touchdown. I do a live post game or not Johnny touchdown. Johnny venerable changed my handle a while back. Uh, you can find me on Periscope following at the conclusion of every Cardinal game, uh, doing live Q and a, we can break down what we saw this Monday night against Dallas. And then I also was just on the, Dim Boys podcast with Shane Carter uh, discussing Cardinals, Cowboys, and then I believe I'm on uh, a different podcast this week, uh, and I'll get that out as well. A lot, a lot happening, man. It's uh, it's a busy time. It's good to be busy. That podcast is Blogging the Boys, our affiliate with SB Nation uh, Cowboys Network. So, yeah, got, we got content. Blake and I got content out of the years for you guys, and we hope you're enjoying it. And gets you through what has otherwise been a tough game?
0: Thank you again so much for listening again, Bird Gang. We'll see you on the other side of the uh, at least first nationally televised game that we'll get. We have one more for sure on the upcoming Thursday night. Take care, everyone. Have a good, safe week.